folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X stands for, except we're extremely good. <clears throat> Here we go. Welcome back to Channel Massive. This is episode 254, Tales from the Dungeon, level 2. We're recording on a, an unusual night for our, ourselves. Mark, does it feel like everything's just kind of out of whack? I, I feel like it's kind of out of yeah. whack. Yeah, it is kind of weird. I don't know, it's a different night than normal. We're kind of going to try and, try and, you know, kind of get to the, uh, to the high points of, of what, <laughs> what we have to talk about tonight rather than our normal kind of, I don't know, slower pace, mostly because of exhaustion. Um, <laughs> but Holy cow, yeah, I I am so zonked today. <laughs> so if you're wondering, listeners, the the sad thing is, is it feels really different for us, but we're really only recording a day later than we usually do. <laughs> and a dollar shorter, yep. <laughs> yeah, a day later, a dollar shorter. I, I could have used a five-hour energy drink, I think. Because, uh, since this morning, I have been... I was just a mess at work. I was misreading emails, con- composing entire emails based on a, a misread. I didn't read the subject line correctly of an email that was sent to me. I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and thank goodness the person was nice and responding. That's great. Do you have an answer to this question? And I'm like, wow, that was stated right in your subject line. And I'm like, holy cow. So, yeah, all day long, that has been me completely <sighs> worthless. But... Fortunately, Mark is here to make sure that this show has some semblance of quality and elegance. Well, thank you for that. Uh, So (laughs) I, too, have had a difficult day. I um, and I don't know why I just um, I've been like trying to get off my caffeine kick for the last couple, three weeks. And I've been more or less successful, you know, like I'll have a I'll have a like a Coke or something once in a while at night. But for work day, I've been trying not to. Not to be so caffeinated, and um, it's been kind of nice, but today I just, like, hit the wall hard, and I, like, ran off to 7-Eleven and got me a double gulp of Mountain Dew. And, <laughs> a uh, double like, gulp? <laughs> if you're going to fall off the wagon, you should, like, Belly just flop. jump. Yeah, <laughs> it was more like, it was like, you know what, it wasn't a belly flop, it was more uh. like a cannonball into a swimming pool. It was great, though, so, yeah. Off the wagon for today. No, no, I, I'm impressed that you're trying to do that. I've I've tried to do it kind of in a non-committal fashion and have not been very successful at it. But kudos to you to to really trying and, and just hearing that you went to Seven Eleven makes me nostalgic for the days that we used to do that so many years ago. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep, we used to go on a on a soda or a pop run or whatever. Yeah. Go, go get our 7-Eleven and bitch about everyone we worked with. <laughs> it was a less mature time. We've become very, yeah. very mature since then. <laughs> now now we bitch about it when we're not going to get popped. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. But, so this uh, is a, a continuation of, of our adventures in Dungeons & Dragons Online, as well as our recent reintroduction of news discussion to the show. So you're yep. getting another half and half episode. We are continuing. So far, the plans remain in place. I think in the second week of Secret World, this is the benchmark that I now measure everything. By the second week, we were already starting to think like, ah, this may not last more than four weeks. DDO still feels like it might be able to last eight weeks. In my mind, it's much sketchier, but everybody else seems to be having a, a jolly good time. Yeah. So I will be along for that ride. As we continue through that, although I got to say, Neverwinter is coming out soon, and yeah. I'm I, I'm thinking about once I get done with this freaking move that I'm doing, jumping into some Neverwinter because I I feel like I may not be getting everything I want out of a fantasy MMO from Dungeons and Dragons Online. Well, yeah, and thanks thanks to Perfect World for sending us some cool uh, goodies for our our Neverwinter accounts. So, yeah, um, yeah. 
I'm looking. It's quite a bit of stuff that they sent us, like mounts and gear and all kinds of crazy stuff. Sweet. As like a as a promotion to go give it a shot and um, then release like a press release on it or some. Or well, you know, they want us to they want us to uh, yeah review it and stuff. So they send us more than a normal login to the <laughs> uh, to the system would give you. I mean, it's it's like kind of interesting. I look forward to seeing what that's like because you know I was kind of mad on the first one or first yeah. trip through it, but um, yeah, Neverwinter review keys—that's what they call them. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what all that is. Yeah, so I, I think both of us will be checking out, and if not that, my schedule has just been so insane for the last couple weeks, and it's going to be that way for the next week or and a half or so. But I know once it settles down, I'm going to definitely be back into multiple MMO plane and I still want to do Star Wars and get try some more World of Warcraft and there's League of Legends and there's also Planet Side we might be trying so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's no, I have at the I, end of the tunnel. It's it's all there for you. It's just waiting. So <laughs> that'll be cool. Um, I played a little a little bit of Star Wars in my spare time, mostly just doing the space combat stuff because I really miss that. I just miss blowing stuff up. So that know. is, I totally agree with you. I had so much fun, much more than I expected with those space levels. And it's such yeah. a great way to, it, it's rewarding because you get decent XP from it and stuff too. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a fun experience. And then, you know, later on it starts to unlock some really crazy bonus things for you to try to achieve on the, the levels that don't give you experience normally. So that's kind of cool. You can like try and, you know, blow up every single shield generator that's possible or blow up the command center or some, you know, stuff like that. That's just really well, tough. You've leveled up your ship right along the way that becomes much more attainable, which is right. kind of exciting to just come in all super powerful. Yeah. You have a whole lot more po- firepower and survivability for that stuff. So pretty cool. For this episode, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll give you a quick recap of what happened last week on channel massive then we'll get into some news discussion. Following that will be some talk about our time in Dungeons & Dragons Online. We have some surprise feedback stuff that happened over yeah. on Facebook. And then we'll be wrapping this puppy up. In case you're wondering, you might have noticed in last week's episode, and also in this week's episode, there are no outtakes. That's just because I my time is super compressed right now. I... Maybe bringing outtakes back as as part of my out, uh, as part of my editing responsibilities in a couple weeks. We'll see how that plays out. But in the busy. meantime, if you miss the outtakes, use that as the motivation and encouragement for you to join us on our Monday game nights. We are playing every Monday night, and I always look forward to it, regardless of the game, even if it's a game that I'm not really feeling, like Dungeons and Dragons Online. The people we play with are so great. They're really funny and they're good at playing games and we help each other out. We end up having a really great time. doesn't really matter what the lore is. <laughs> I certainly <laughs> don't really pay attention much when we're playing together, but it's just always a lot of fun. It makes for some really great times. So if you want to join us, as we've been talking about, we are on DD- we're in DDO on the Argonescent server and we play Monday nights from 11 p.m. Eastern time to about 1 a.m. Or later. Yeah, sometimes we get into it. Yeah. I think last week we, last week in Channel Massive, we played, we we created our characters. It was our first night in DDO. And we had troubles finding Scott, who had just elevated to a a higher plane of awesomeness. And so he's just kind of our on-call help desk while we played through the opening tutorial dungeons. And we... Also, on the news front, talked about we gave some E3 predictions and talked about Amazon's indie game store. Yeah. What's cool for this week is E3 has happened, and holy cow, all of the headlines and news that came out of that. So it's going to be really fun to hear Mark's opinion about everything that happened. I haven't had a chance to really talk to him at all about E3 over the last week. We can share our ideas and reactions after we made our epic uh predictions and then also mark you found something else that was kind of cool it's like a boost to us gamers a, a, yeah. reason, a, a reason to pat ourselves on the back 
it 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 gives me a reason to think I should subject my kids to nothing but um, game and gaming instead of having them get educations. <laughs> but no, it's interesting. Um, should I dive in? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, so there was a, there's an interesting story on Duke today um, where they um, did a study. The, the researchers at the university did a study and they were kind of taking visual input and um, getting participants to take a look at something on the screen and then um, point out where certain letters were. So what they, I'll, I'll give you kind of more of a description. So they had the study, they had a bunch of, of people in it and these participants um, were run, running through, it was called a visual sensory memory test. And, what they would do is they'd flash a circular arrangement of eight letters um, for just one-tenth of a second, which is not very long. Um, like It's hard to even tell, like, an audio delay of, like, uh, you know, like a tenth of a second. So, um, but anyway, they'd, you'd, you'd have this delay ranging from 13 seconds to 2.5 seconds after that, and there'd be an arrow pointing to one spot of the circle where the letter had been, and participants were asked to identify what the letter had been in that spot. So you get you get a circle of letters flashed for just an instant, then you have to wait a while, and then and that, that was changing, and then they'd ask the participants what it was. Now it's like some evil game of memory. Yeah. Well, at every time interval that they tried, intensive players of action video games outperformed non-gamers in recalling the letter. Hell Yeah. Letter recognition. Yeah, and I, f I find that to be kind of interesting that we have this crazy video memory that we've been developing as a result of requirements to, uh, to our, our minds or brains to play these games effectively. Um, so obviously there's some, some stuff happening in, the, in the, the, the brains of gamers that's a little different. Um, and they had already determined the gamers were quicker at responding to visual stimuli and that we can track more items than non-gamers. Um, and I, I guess the first-person shooters are especially good at um, making something called probabilistic inferences about what they're seeing. Like, you can, like you know those tests where you're at the in the real life where they have the, you know, gun range and you have to go through and they have, like, all these, like, terrorists silhouettes popping out and you have to shoot those but then you have like uh, a suburban human yeah, yeah then there's a suburban housewife with a shopping cart and they always inevitably shoot the shopping cart or something um yeah. so the gamers of fps games and um other genres tend to do a whole lot better but especially the fps so it's kind of interesting um they said that both groups experience a rapid decay in the memory of what the letters had been, but the gamers seem to have a little bit better retention um, at all time intervals for that. Interesting. That's pretty so cool. So it's kind of like you building your visual system. Well, what's interesting about this was earlier earlier on, um, a couple of weeks ago, I just happened to see this crazy study at Rochester <laughs> University where – and and I I have to say it's really crazy if you go to this um go to the site it's called Motion Quotient is the story at University of Rochester, but what they do it's is not they the motion in the quotient. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 yeah. I was trying to think of something else, but everything they come with just doesn't sound good. But um, what's interesting is they have a YouTube video that they show, and I mean it is fast. Like they show like a pattern. And there's some kind of motion, and you're supposed to infer what the motion is really quickly. And I'm it is assuming it's, it's Satan. Uh, no, no, it's just <laughs> it's uh, that's great though. Um, maybe if they did that, the gamers would probably really shine. But um, but basically, you you watch it, and you're supposed to be. I think you're supposed to watch it, and you're supposed to be kind of baffled as to which direction these things are moving. But I think being like a lifelong gamer, I ran it, and I was just like, yeah, I got that, got that, got that, yep. Um, so give it a shot. It's kind of interesting. But cool. anyway, what's interesting is they they asked people to watch this, and then they asked them which direction things were moving. And then they plotted that out, like correct answers versus incorrect, correlated it with the IQ scores of the participants, 
and found that those who um, could who had the better visual skills were also smarter, or at least had a higher IQ. Ooh. So See, that's my... what's cool about this because it's one thing. It's like, yay, gamers, you're good at reflexes. Yeah, but that there's actually there's more to it than that. It's not just simple reflexes. It's also analytical thinking, a higher form of processing versus just dodging something. There's a little bit more thought going on. Yeah, and and they used an interesting kind of way to describe it. They said, you know, intelligence is such a broad construct. You can't really track it back to one part of the brain. I mean, you can't look at like one region and say, this makes you smart and this doesn't. But they basically said, you know, if you have quick vision, then you're quick-witted. And, you know, quick-witted means you're smart. And it does seem to kind of correlate somehow. Um, So I found that kind of interesting. Um, It's apparently it's really not the the natural ability to filter, visually filter what you're seeing and make sense of it in in a really in a very short period of time, you know, milliseconds is directly linked to IQ according to their their research. So, I mean, what this kind of indicates between these two studies, if you correlate them, it's playing games increases your ability to, um, you know, it, it, whatever it's doing, it's, it's, it's tweaking out areas of your brain to be able to process things faster. And the faster you can process these things appears to impact your IQ somehow. So I made a bit of a leap there, but it is kind of interesting. Maybe that's why I want to, you know, my homeschooling for my kids will mostly just be FPS games, violent FPS games. <laughs> um, well, you know, actually, I would suggest, and I'm curious, I don't know if this is broken down in those studies, but I would suggest have them get into MMOs and other games with really elaborate interfaces because... Oh, yeah. And specifically, that's most common in PC games, and I'm I'm curious if they explored that because... I know when I first saw screenshots for games like World of Warcraft or even other MMOs before that, EverQuest, City of Heroes, I would think there's no way I can understand what the hell's going on because there's so many bars, so many buttons, so many icons. But the fact of the matter is, as you start playing it, you develop a skill, whatever size you would like to call it, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, to process all of that information really quickly on the fly while you're also maneuvering a character in a 3d world. Right. And communicating and, you know, um, you're practicing tactics to take down these bosses or if it's PVP, you know, you're, you're, you're working as a team to try to, you know, take out the identify and take out the healers or, you know, whatever you're doing. And it, it is, you're right. It's really interesting. Cause I remember one thing about MMOs that I noticed right off the bat was, you know, having, mostly played FPS games um, as far as multiplayer gaming goes, it seemed like they were a younger audience. And then you got into MMOs and you found there were people that were, you know, much, uh, when I started, at least there were people that were much older than me that were doing a really good job in the game. So kind of, kind of interesting because you would think, you know, that you would slow down in your old age. But I think actually your visual processing just takes on different aspects and you have different prioritization, like, Playing an MMO and being a good healer or a tank, you know, knowing when to interrupt and stuff is not at all trivial. No, that's a lot of things. You have to worry about your own power, your own abilities, your mana, your hit points. Your your positioning. Oh, yeah, in addition to everybody else's. Right, right. So really fascinating the way those two stories kind of work together. Um, So thought I'd, I'd, you know, put that in the notes. But that's not all. That is not all. So feel free, listeners, if you want to share your own stories, your proof, your pudding proof, your proof in the pudding of how gaming has made you or someone you know smarter and sharper and faster. Like the $6 million man. Yeah, exactly. Mail. M-A-I-L. At gentlemaster.com. You can email us or you can also leave us a comment over on the website. But if you're waiting to hear us talk about E3, that's actually what's coming up. And we feel that the probably the best topic to talk about from E3 was the main event, the battle between Microsoft and Sony with the both of them basically had the second half of their console reveals, whether it involved actually showing the console or talking about the launch titles that are com- going to come out, the exclusive stuff, everything. Uh- 
I like to call it Microsoft's Molten Magma Meltdown, yeah. just because it's a lot of M's. Yeah, and that kind of, I think, was a big surprise to a lot of people. I feel like going into E3, a lot of people assumed Microsoft and Sony to be on very similar ground, even after Microsoft revealed all of its ridiculous DRM policies right before E3. I think a lot of people just assumed that they wouldn't be saying stuff like this if they didn't know for sure that Sony was going to pretty much do the same thing. And surprise, it didn't work out like that. And they both yeah. even announced their console prices, and that's really unusual, too, at E3. And I think that was one of the biggest bullet points that people just freaked out about, that Microsoft's like, yeah, it's launching for four ninety nine, And everybody's like, what? What? <laughs> what? $100 more? I think it's interesting that you and I had you know, made some predictions about Microsoft and Sony as far as they almost – there was almost kind of like a cold war kind of going on about, you know, who would be the first to, to make that push towards um, eliminating um, game reselling. And we thought it was one of those, you know, um, mutually assured destruction kind of things yeah. where, you know, neither would want to do it because as soon as it happened, it would screw them both over. But no, it didn't work out at all like that. Yeah. Someone was willing to take the low road. Um, yeah, and, and that was Microsoft. Yeah, and they didn't just take that low road. They embraced that low road. They are all about the low road. And then they're like, uh-oh, it's time for um, – we need to create a diversion. Oh, no, wait. We need to not talk to anyone at E3 about anything at all whatsoever <laughs> and just have really awesome presentations. But no, no talking. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. It it seems like they're just floundering right now. And the sad thing is, is they did have a ton of games to show. They stuck to their promise that they were going to show lots of the games. And overall, there was an overwhelmingly larger number of exclusive games announced for Xbox One. And potentially, I mean, just by the amount of options alone, there should be more there to excite gamers about Xbox One's impending launch over PS4. Because... Between the two of them, Microsoft showed off at least maybe over a dozen exclusives, if not PC and Xbox exclusives, whereas Sony just had a whole bunch of indie titles. They gave a lot of respect to indie titles in their conference, which I loved that. It was really awesome, but all of those are already available on on PC or they're going to be. And they had maybe a handful of exclusive titles, almost all of which you've already heard about. On top of it, that, it is interesting how indie friendly they have gone. Um, that's that yeah. was a huge surprise to me. I just don't think of Sony as indie friendly. I just, you know what I mean. I, you just think of them as this evil corporation, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I always have. And you know, I think of Sony as, uh, you know, kind of in their twilight years as far as you know their their not just the game division but the entire company. You know, they. They had that crazy president in back in the mid-90s with all those ideas that, you know, the Western executives had it right and you need to get all these old fogies out and, you know, make them take early retirement and, you know, all the innovation would come from these, you know, kids straight out of college. And instead they, all those guys went off to LG and Samsung and are like destroying Sony at every turn, you know, and all their other products. I just, I think of them as kind of out of touch and here they are doing stuff that, shows that they may be out of touch in some things, but as far as gaming goes, they are um, definitely paying attention to some things. No kidding. It seems like that they the, the, the story that they've told us to believe is they've known for months what their policy was on used games and that there wasn't going to be any difference between their policies for PS4 than PS3. And they know they knew they were going to have any online connections or any that were required and they held oh. back all the way until E3 to announce it and they got so much praise and enthusiasm for it and the the sad thing is is these are pretty they're not unusual practices they're basically how things were in the last console generation but people right. have been so blindsided and disgusted with Microsoft's charging forward into this 
new a, world of corporate bureaucracy. It's a brilliant strategy, though, that they kind of let Microsoft maybe think that they were going to do something similar. Yeah. Meanwhile, they were like, oh, those guys are going to be so screwed. You know, like, this is not going to work well. But Microsoft's clearly out of touch with a lot of, uh, not, not just gamers, but a lot of things like their Surface Tab and stuff and Windows 8 and everything. They're, they're clearly, like, whatever well, they're, they're doing. It's weird. They're in a bubble because yeah, there are really right. smart people in the company. Right. I know they do focus groups and they have analysts and they do all this other stuff. And I think I think a good there's this fantastic editorial about this topic over on gamesindustry.biz that basically talked about how there has to be some blame on the publishers. Right. The publishers like Electronic Arts and Activision had to have gone to both Sony and Microsoft and said, you have to do something about these used games. They're killing us. Da, da, da. We can't make any money. And the assumption is Microsoft's like, yeah, is Sony doing that? And I'm sure they're like, well, we don't know, but we're really asking them to do it too. And uh, Microsoft said, yeah, we're going to go for it. I mean, what's the big deal? People well, have been buying licensed content via iTunes and via Steam for years. Why should this be a big deal to them? Well, actually, when you put it that way, it kind of explains the the fact that Microsoft got all the exclusives. Maybe that was part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Sony's like, oh, we can't comment on our strategy, but you'll really like it <laughs> or something <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I see some really cool titles for the Xbox One, and, you know, the list is not nearly as massive for the PS4. No. The, the weird thing is, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch the press conferences. I watched no. both, both of them pretty much in full, and I was so excited going into both of them. I had really high hopes. I was really excited about E3, thinking, yes, I'm going to come out of this. And this is so naive, but I'm like, I'm going to have a pretty solid decision. I'm going to feel really good about it. I, I know which, I'll know which next-gen console I'm going to get. And I was positive it was going to be either microsoft's or sony's and months back i was wanting it to be microsoft's i mean i've really enjoyed my 360 this last generation i waited forever to get ps3 until yeah. there were like a handful of exclusives that i actually wanted and the price had dropped by i don't know 300 dollars. and microsoft just totally screwed it up and the weird thing is is for me there are, when i was watching those press conferences i actually just kind of got into being numb with Microsoft's because almost every game was ridiculous over the top violence involving guns and things being shot and destroyed or stabbed through the back of the neck. And by the time they got to the Titanfall reveal, which is the big new game coming from the people who all defected from infinity ward from the whole Activision call of duty fiasco, that game looks really cool. It's, and that's, that's one of the really cool themes about the big, the big games in the next generation, they're all new, interesting takes on massively multiplayer concepts. And right. Titanfall is kind of like that with all this cool organic multiplayer. It's essentially an action shooter MMO. Uh, but by the time it came up there, I had been so desensitized and like my eyes had glazed over so much from all of the preceding two hours of guns, 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 guns that I just couldn't really even care. And I yeah. kind of zoned out. And this is like, people are like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And I'm like, how can you guys have an appetite for this much shooting? And looking back at the list, there are a lot more titles that are exclusive for Xbox One. And the the, the thing is, is PS4, for me, from a policy perspective and definitely from a price perspective, is more appealing. But they don't have nearly enough exclusives to get me interested either. They have one that looks really cool, which is the Order 1866, which is this uh, steampunk alternate reality version of London, and you have these these police slash knights who have the same names as King Arthur's table. There's like a Galahad oh, wow. and a Guinevere, except they're all kind of steampunked out. They've got like cell phones that are technology that are patched on their shoulders and have these oh, lightning wow. guns. And they're going into Whitechapel, which has been barricaded off with these military gates. And there's, it's all super foggy, and there's these gigantic werewolf-like monsters crawling up buildings and leaping at them, and you never really see them. It looks so awesome. That is cool. Just yeah. a concept video, but it looks really cool. That's the one game that looks cool, and all the other ones are sequels or racing games that I really don't care about. So now I'm like, does this mean I'm going to get a Wii U? 
<laughs> that was like the big there are definitely a lot of games that I'm starting to amass a list of games I want to get on Wii U, but none of them are like, oh my gosh, that's like Titanfall or something. None of them are like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I can't wait to play it. But there's a lot of like, yeah, that's going to be fun. That'd be pretty cool too. There's more there than on either of these systems. So I might end up waiting. Yeah. I'm wondering that too. I, uh, well, some interesting things I noticed were, was the, uh, Sony's trolling of Microsoft. I don't know if you've seen their, uh, their, well, you can see it on YouTube. It's their, um, oh, their little official, video they showed how they share games. Yeah, the official PlayStation used game instructional video, which is just hilarious because it's like step one, and he just hands the game over to his friend, and that's how they—that's their policy for their used game. Uh, so that's an obvious, you know, major poke at uh, Microsoft. Yeah, that's and the, they released it right after the press conference too. It was just yeah, so blatant. Just like rubbing salt in the wounds. And then, um, you know, they're just, every chance they get, they're pointing out that they're fine with the whole resale at retail stores. Um, You know, you can sell it to another person, you can lend it, you can do whatever the hell you want with it. They just don't care. So I think think that's kind of funny that they're making it as clear as possible. Now, did you see the whole thing the like the gaff about the the rape in well it wasn't really a rape joke but the that weird awkward moment oh gosh the, the killer game. instincts live demo yeah was really bad and what was what he <sighs> said like he's like it'll be over soon or something he said, like that. just just be still and let it happen yeah oh god and he's playing against soon. a woman it's like you, microsoft just can't get it right they unlike sony they actually had at least a woman show up during their press conference. They did that also in their previous press conference. And in this one, it was two people. A community relations manager was the woman and a dude that's working on the Killer Instinct game. And it was totally staged in a way because they had this fight and he totally was kicking her butt and doing all this trash talking. And people freaked out at the type of language he used. And like, that's a rape joke, da 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 and then what was interesting is after that, I'm, I'm like, why did you bring her out here just to beat her hardcore at the game? Well, it was all a stunt because then they played again, and she beat him in 20 seconds. Oh. oh and she's like, well, maybe I should be the one that's the producer of the Killer Instinct game. And so Microsoft thought they'd done this cool female empowerment moment. They're like, yeah, not only do we have women that are participants in our press conference, but they're kick-ass gamers too. I don't know how staged that was, really. But that dude making his trash talking just totally screwed up that moment. Even though I, I wouldn't even say the original concept was that great to begin with. Yeah, it was just an epic fail in uh, yeah. as far as execution goes. There's, and then there's the hundred dollar price point difference. I mean, you know, it seems like the the two systems are basically equal. I I don't know. I it's hard for me to quantify them, but it seems like they're about equal. But the price point is just so much more appealing on the the, the Sony PlayStation 4. Yeah, and I I kind of get it because... I don't want to X- connect. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it is. is Xbox yeah. One has a connect involved in it. And that's what really pissed me off about Microsoft's press conference is, yeah, it was games, 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 which is one of the best things they could have done. But the other thing I felt was really super essential, especially since I'm certain that the inclusion of this super advanced connect is the reason why there's a hundred, that it's $500, regardless of whether the price difference, that it is $500 is because they have that extra chunk of hardware in there. And they did nothing at all. No games except for one to justify or even utilize the connect. And so it remains this obnoxious invasion of your privacy marketing measurement tool that has no real good reason other than Xbox on Xbox off Xbox go home. You know, it it was that really, really made me mad. It's like, not only did they just kind of try to sweep the privacy policies under the rug and just kind of blow them off with some press releases. They haven't, they almost cemented people's assumptions that this is some evil corporate spying slash marketing tool because they didn't even put any games out there that harnessed it. And I think too, that they're missing the boat in, in their whole focus for the Xbox is going to be, it's going to be the, 
the family hub media center thing, right? And I think they're they're feeling kind of glum about the fact that they, you know, they're a huge platform for Netflix and stuff. But they're saying that, you know, it's going to be not just a game um, system, but also it's going to be like what you how you consume all your media, you know. Um, and that's great and all, but every all of the new uh, smart TVs do all that stuff much better, I think. Yeah, so, the functionality already exists, and it's not like right? people have been clamoring like, gee willikers, I w- wish my console did this, this, and this too. Yeah, and and these smart TVs, it seems like, so I, I you know, due to an unfortunate circumstance, I got to see the difference between having a 2000. Uh, 12 smart TV in a 2013 mm-hmm. and the 13s I mean it's got a quad core processor in it it's got a connect built into it it's got every single thing that you know they're trying to say this the Xbox um, one is going to have to make my make it you know at the epicenter of my TV viewing it's like no really my TV does everything and it does it much better yeah. and I, I can't believe you know mine's not like the top in TV or anything, I'm sure everybody that gets a new TV in you know this year, last year, and coming years is going to realize, especially since these consoles are so long lived, and the TVs are like moving so fast with all the stuff they have. I mean, you can play games on them, you can do all kinds of stuff, and they have they unlike the consoles are coming with like upgrade kits. So you spend three hundred dollars on your your TV every you know couple of years and it, like you get all the latest enhancements and everything. So I don't know. I just I think that's like a huge part of their whole strategy, and it it might be like kind of built on a need that doesn't really exist, except for people that are still using an old CRT to play games. But uh, you know yeah. I think those are few and far between at this point. It's it's kind of a solution looking for a problem. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, wow, man, that would be great six years ago. That would be awesome six years ago, or even three years ago. But I, I think they missed the boat there. And so. what's kind of lame is it's it's ending up, aside from whether it is a corporate spying tool or anything like that, it's ending up being a gimmick. And as yeah. Nintendo and Wii U can tell you, gimmicks don't sell systems. They only go so far. And you Wii know? U's got a better gimmick than Microsoft, because at least, well, very few gameplay innovations have occurred because of the gamepad controller. What is super awesome about it is I can take that controller anywhere I want in the house, and I can play a full-on super awesome console game right before I go to bed, not even being in my living room. It streams directly to the gamepad, and I have full all the control buttons and sticks that I would need to play the game successfully, so it could be a first-person shooter, or it could be a Mario platformer. That's right. really cool. It's not invading my privacy or anything like that. Granted, it has a camera on it, but I don't know what it's going to really see aside from my face. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Various expressions of pain and anguish as you try yeah. to get through a level. But, yeah, I like that whole – I liked your uh, description of a solution um, <laughs> looking for a problem. That was great. That sums it yeah. up. I, I don't know. So makes me wonder – if I'm going to sit this one out as far as the consoles go and just, I mean, I'm I'll, one last point that I have that, you know, and I, I have to bring it up and I don't believe that the PlayStation three had the same amount of difficulty, but I'm sitting here looking at three dead Xbox three sixties. One was yours. Yeah. One was my friend Bob's and one was mine. And I, vir- I know virtually no one who's a 360 console owner that actually uses it regularly that hasn't gone through one or two already. Mm-hmm. So the quality is, is was a big problem, and I, I don't know that I should just you know trust that they'll get it right this time. Yeah, that's a big unknown that people have definitely not forgotten, even if the Xbox 360 came out eight years ago. No one has forgotten who has that machine, especially those of us who've had to replace theirs as recently as a year ago, yeah. as I did. Really, really lame. So you got to hope they get that right this time. And speaking yeah. of the design of these machines, I did not think I would also come out of E3 thinking this as well. I really pretty much loathed almost every Sony console design. They're usually super ugly. And the funny thing is, 
I actually like the Xbox One design. I don't care if people think it looks like a VCR. I think it looks kind of cool. And strangely, the PS4 uses a lot of similar design aesthetics. It's half matte, half glossy. It's all black. Mm -hmm. It's a rectangle. But for once, I really like this design. And it's just a little skewed parallelogram type shape. But it can be stood up vertically, unlike the Xbox One. Or it can be horizontal. And it just looks really sleek. I don't know if it's because I'm older and I'm in a different place than I was when the PS2 came out and the PS3 came out. But I think it looks really great. And it's smaller in size than the Xbox One as well, which is kind of nice. Because the PS3 was a tank. Yeah, that thing was a tank. Yeah. Well, you know, other interesting things are the Ouya is about to be shipped for everyone who was part of the, you know, the Kickstarter or whatever that was. Um, So that's another, yet another console. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's like the, the whole Steambox thing, which is moving along, which would be, you know, seamless integration with Steam. So it'd be PC gaming, but, um, you know, way, way more accessible for the couch playing crowd. Um, so there's, you know, m- yeah, more competition, I think, coming to to both these ag- against, well, all three, I guess you could say, the Wii U, PS4, Xbox One. Um, it's like PC gaming is making its return. And, of course... I think indie gaming is definitely a, a big deal right now, and it's cool that the PS4 kind of gets that. I mean, Xbox gets that with their, you know, the arcade stuff. But um, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how this all unfolds and who's on top. Yeah, and I think that your your stance is actually pretty common. It's something that I've seen in a lot of comments. And it's weird, this groundswell over the last year of PC gaming pride almost to an obnoxious matter. There's a lot of people who are like, yeah, blah, 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 I'm just going to keep playing on PC. And I can't remember, I don't think it's ever been like that. And maybe it's just that gaming sites have become a lot more homogenous, where it used to be like, this is a great PC gaming site, and this is a really good console site. But whatever it is, people of all different types of console machines are gravitating to the same sites, and the PC gamers are like, hey, you know what, I don't have to deal with any of this crap. I love my machine, it has flexibility, it has upgradability, yep. it has digital titles, but I don't feel like I'm getting screwed over by them. Right. There are multiple options, whereas if you commit to a console, that's your console, you're buying it on that, or you're not buying it anywhere. It's not like you get onto PS4 and it's like, alright, do you want to use the Steam interface, or do you want to use the PlayStation Network <sighs> interface, or do you want to use good old games? It's like, no, it's just Sony's. Right. Whereas PC gives you all those different options. There's competition, actually, between the storefronts. Well, and you know, you're a, you were a pure console guy, like, five years ago, even. Well, maybe not quite pure, because of City of Heroes, but you were mostly a console guy, and I, it yeah. seems like you're playing more PC games. If, if, if anything, because of this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, and you, actually. The main reason that I played PC stuff in the past was purely for adventure games. I really right. didn't have any other genres that I wanted to play. But when I met you, there were genres that were still best experienced or only experienced on PC, whether it was real-time strategy or MMOs. And or League of Legends. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think consoles will get there where they have competitive, similar, if not the exact same offerings. Right. Especially in the next generation, but there is nothing wrong with a kick-ass PC game, especially when you can play it with keyboard and mouse, or you can play it with movement, or you can play it with a control pad. All of those things are available. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's our soapbox of E3 reactions. Yeah. It's all over the place, but, you know, it's consistent in that we're kind of disgusted by Microsoft. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. I... I was rooting for them. I wanted them to at least get the console right after they screwed up the Surface tablet and they screwed up Windows 8. It's like, come on, you guys have not screwed up 360 other than your questionable marketing crap decisions on the 360's interface over the last few years. But, yeah, it's like, all right, your your failure is complete. Three for three. Yep, you've got – it's the trifecta of death. Yes. Um, You know, I – I just I don't know what else they can possibly do except start to break office or something. <laughs> that would be the ultimate failure. That their primary moneymaker. They screwed yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. Epically they, in some way. If they could like just totally hose that, that'd be that'd be great. That'd be really good. <laughs> but enough of that dark yep. talk. Let's talk about our adventures in Dungeons and Dragons Online. 
Yeah, so we were joined by a yet another person who hasn't played one of these Monday night games with us, which is Dan, who is a guy I work with and working on a game with him. As He's been on the show before. Been on the show, yep, he's an Android developer as a hobby um, network engineer by trade. This is not Daenerys' husband. Different we've had Dan. two different Dans. Right. I can't remember the topic we, when we had Dan on. It's been about a year and a half or so. Yeah, Android development, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was Android development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, he joined us because he'd always wanted to play DDO. And he, I told him, you know, exactly where we were. It was easy to explain where we were, so... You know, it was like, kill the spider thingy, the frozen spider thingy, and we'll be ready. So he did that. We It was pretty seamless to have him join us. And Scott Pruitt was, or Southern Fred Scott, I always have to give his last name accidentally, but <laughs> Southern Fred Scott was able to join us. He was not quite as elite as he was before. Yeah, he made a a mirror, a mirror universe version of his, his character. Yeah. Somehow he found a way to break back into the low-level noob side of the world. <laughs> and he was able to join us, which is cool. So we had a full party of six when Agamemnon made it on. And, yeah, I think Agamemnon uh, had a narcolepsy attack or something. I think he was asleep. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. we couldn't find where we were at. We were like, we're over here, we're over here. There is nothing like playing a game when you're groggy, that's for sure. Yeah, so. it kind of reminded me of waiting for him to show up. Totally gave me a flashback to just a few weeks ago. When we were waiting on you, Mark, and it's because you'd logged out and were logging in with your level 50 to come and kill oh, us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I was doing recon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was you guys <laughs> who threw the first punch. Um, it was funny. But, but yeah, then we all got together and we ran a couple dungeons. I still consider my character the strongest. In fact, I enjoyed pointing out to Scott Pruitt that my tiny little um, half-elf chick has way more hit points than his gigantic, whatever the hell he is, Warforged guy. I really enjoyed pointing that out. I don't know if you noticed, but... I yeah, took, I was there. I took, I took, very, I, I took great pleasure in that. Um, so, yep, I dominated. Um, you guys were a nice entourage to have with me. Um, <laughs> Military Scott <laughs> did something that just totally cracked me up and so far is going to be a key, oh. if not the sole point of entertainment for my group <laughs> any time in video. When he first did it, I thought it, it reminded me of a scene from like um, Saw or like Poltergeist or something where there's like... It was like some kind of evil glitch from hell. Yeah, like some evil spirit phasing in and out really fast in this real jerky motion. It was one of those. And we were like, how are you doing that? Like, we were disgusted, and yet we wanted to know exactly how to do it so we could do it too. Yeah, and it turns out he was just screwing around. He put his character into stealth mode, which all of us can do. Sneak mode, I guess is the better way to describe it. Yeah, yeah. And apparently when you jump when you're in sneak mode, it looks like this real, it looks kind of almost like a a seizure-style Twitch up. There's like no tweening for the animation. It's just it's a full on crouch to standing straight up, then back to the crouch, but with no tween. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very spastic, and you so can just spam it. It's like yeah, and so he kept doing that, and then Noah figured it out, or he told Noah, I don't remember, and then I started to do it, and then we just were running around in little circles, and everybody else was not as amused. I don't believe. One thing I remember is getting lost a lot. And uh, I, I don't know how that happened, but I, I seem to get lost quite a bit this last time, or separated from the rest of the party. Uh, maybe if you stayed with the group and you used your map. I'm, I was just <laughs> thinking that maybe I'm sitting here thinking that I have like this awesome character, but you guys are like, we don't need her. Let's just go ahead and beat this thing. <laughs> and, uh, when, when, Mark, when Mark keeps running into that wall over there, maybe we can... Uh, <laughs> Well, I think part of the problem is that we don't feel very obligated to stay together because the dungeons, even though they're instanced, don't scale up to our our group's size or ability. That's because it's a starter zone, right? And that's that's what um, Southern Fred Scott kept pointing out was, okay, we're gonna it, this is gonna be like the last dungeon, and then we're gonna go to the real location, and it's really actually gonna start to be difficult in scale. So this was like the honeymoon, and now sh- shit gets real. 
So we'll we'll see if that's true or not, you know. But it just it was so easy that we could kind of all screw around. I mean, there there was that one in the lair of the frost spider thing where that trap, those traps that froze <laughs> you would just kill you dead. Yeah. But other than that, it wasn't a lot of danger. Yeah, and so we we keep sit, we're trying to tell ourselves, and Southern Scott's trying to remind us it'll get harder once we get off the island, the starter island, but. I don't know. I'll I'll be surprised if that's the case because I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the game is balanced for groups, which is so weird. The reason why I think it's weird is because the missions were kind of designed with the idea of you should be in a group because that's how you play Dungeons and Dragons. You get together with a bunch of friends, you make, create this cool party with all these unique classes, and you go and you tackle bosses. But so far everything we've done has been way simpler than anything I've done in a real Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh yeah. And you would think that something that's designed in the spirit of like, come on, get into groups even early on that it would propose more of a challenge. Cause it almost discourages you from grouping up with people. Cause like, there's no challenge. Yeah. I hope, I hope it does get more difficult. That'll really help if we actually have to concentrate, <laughs> yeah. you know, and better use our characters' abilities. Yeah, right. we're we're we have at least Dan chose a cleric, which is cool. So we have way better healing than the two to four points of heal health <laughs> I seem to be able to dish out. The um, I, I noticed that the loot drops seem to be pretty good. I mean, people were getting some cool stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the other nice thing too. Some really good equipment. Ironically, I still have the same damn armor I started with. I just can't seem to find anything better. And it's really weird looking. It's creepy. It's like this leather outfit with this weird, like, it looks like a really ugly wolf head, like where the chest would be, but its ears are, like, sewn on weird. It's just hideous. Have you looked at it? It's really ugly. I don't remember seeing that, so I don't think I saw it. I noticed it. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 probably had your eyes on the, in the wrong place on my character. Well, probably her stunning her stunning hair. But yeah. uh yeah, it's <laughs> it's right right where her chest is, it's covered with this like wolf head and it's just hideous and I just can't find anything better. I would dump it in a second, but when so far I just have and I kept asking too, like as people were finding stuff, Did anybody find any leather armor? Any leather you armor, did. anybody? And like everybody's like, No, I got everything but that. Do you want some plate? I'm like, if I get the plate I won't be able to move and my spells won't work. <laughs> so, you know, it's kinda tough, but uh I also want to give some props to Dan. It was interesting. He immediately revealed his player type while we played with him because he was in constant evaluation and analysis mode of the game's interface and how it played, giving us all these comments about how everything works. What was really beneficial to that was he discovered something that none of us had noticed called lucky dice that allow you to roll for a random bonus each day that you play the game. And I was kind of just twitch jumping everywhere when you guys were talking about it. So I wasn't really paying attention. So I'm not sure what you guys got, but I was super stoked when I did it because out of all the random things I could have gotten the first time I've ever done it, I ended up getting 1100 platinum pieces, which is the most valued currency in the game. I'm like, what am I going to do with all this money? And that was what my reward was that my daily reward. I'm like, Holy cow. Yeah. I remember that. I was like 1100. I'm like, are you sure? And you're like, yeah, eleven hundred platinum. I'm like, not copper. Nope, nope, platinum. I'm like, I think yeah. you own the island. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm gonna spend it on. I, 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 I don't know that you can. I don't think in that starter zone there's anything really worth it. I, I think you're gonna have to get to a. You know, I don't know how you're gonna get to a more advanced place to even spend it. I don't know if they have an auction house. I don't. I don't really know. Yeah, the game essentially just twinked me out, at least from a currency. Yeah. Game. <laughs> oh yeah, that was crazy. I I got like something I couldn't use or something like a like a long sword or something um questionable for a druid. I don't know. It was cool we leveled. We all leveled to level 2. Yeah. Cuz cuz the game the thing. <laughs> Yeah, the leveling is like you get like uh you start at level 1 but then you you get like what are the ranks towards the there's, next like, level. there's like six to eight different ranks. 
where you and get I, yeah you get some kind of points that you can spend on skill modifiers and sometimes new skills, but it's yeah, not actually a full on level up. Right. Yeah. You can you can get like um like I was enhancing my skills and my pet skills, but until I leveled, I couldn't get like something really cool or new. And I still I think it's like classic D and D to where at level. It's it's the even or it's the odd number levels where you get better spells and stuff, but I did get the ability to anytime I want instantly transform from a human to a wolf and back, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, I'm kind of jealous of you because your spells actually seem to have some kind of value. So far, being a bard, I I now have I can now use my two bard spells three times without going to a healing person but they are all single target. And if I don't target someone, I waste it. <laughs> it's just, I was thought if I just queued up one of my songs where everybody's clearly around me, they're obviously within earshot. If yeah. I just played it without a target, that it would benefit everybody. Nope. Doesn't I benefit know. anybody. That is like, weird. This is a really stupid bard class. Yeah, we need like, I think maybe um, Lotro's bards seem way cooler than this one so far, unless there's just something we're missing. But, um... I don't know. We'll have to see how it progresses. Maybe there's some area of effect things you can do or something, but Yeah, I hope so. I know I know Dan was strategizing that out. He was like, rather than heal, I'm just going to make sure I spam bless or something like that cuz it'll affect everyone and Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um and something that we mentioned last week that we liked about the dungeons is they they were very focused and quick, so we were able to get yep. through a lot of them. But we ended up going through what Southern Scott told us was the last dungeon of the island, or I guess the climactic quest. There were still certainly plenty of other little things we could do. And it was definitely a lot longer. And there were all these cool moments. We saw at least one, maybe two gigantic dragons, which ended up being related to the surreal snowfall on this tropical island that you start on. Yeah, the crisis environment. Yeah, the, the but the weird thing was is there is another group of NPCs simultaneously going through the dungeon on a separate path. And so anything that we saw to do with the dragons, they would take care of while we just kind of watched or skirted around the edge of the room. Oh, yeah, that's north. right. Pretty but weird. we did get through it. There is some kind of really super fast enemy that we killed at the end, and now there's no more snow. Yep. And the dragon is free, I guess, that was causing the snow. Um, it was it was pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I see what they're trying to do, and it seems like they're you know they it's they're the I like the dungeons better than I I like a lot of instances because you can interact with stuff in their dungeons. Yeah, you know, there's the puzzles. There's They're searching for things, investigation. Yeah, secret doors and traps that the the rogue can actually disarm, and chests actually have stuff that's cool in them. And the you know the narrative that's going on where you go into a room and it says you feel you know cold wind rustling from the west side of the room or something like that, and it's cool that they're they're using it for storytelling. Um, so I like that, especially since I don't get to do much you know real. Um, Dungeons and Dragons type stuff these days. Although, wow, man, we'll be probably due for another one of those, huh? Noah? Yeah, the the time is coming up. I don't know when it's going to be, but I hope it's scheduled soon because I definitely want to play some more of that. Yeah, that was radioactive fun. RPG yeah, of the Gamma future. World. Gamma World, yeah. yeah. Yeah, big tangent there, but um, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I'm enjoying it. I it you know the 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 graphics are a bit hokey. Um, they they remind me of an older much older type of uh, MMO experience, but um, but all in all, I, I think they did get some things really right, and I think combining like the Bioware dialogue stuff with more interactive um, instances would be really cool to see, and it, with with a brand new graphics engine and great um, art design, which this game kind of lacks. The, what the was latter the time difference between. Lotro's release and DDO's release was it like a year or two? It seems like it was a couple of years. I don't know. We could we could look it up, but um, it it doesn't seem like it was that that long. Yeah, because I'm hoping I because I, I I am certain that we will play Lotro at some point in our MMO tour, and I'm curious if 
we will have our memories of DDO fresh enough in our minds to say, all right, I could see where they implemented some of these cool things we wanted and some things that we didn't. And speaking of Lotro, oh my gosh, the new Hobbit trailer looks so awesome. Oh, I haven't seen that for the second one. Yeah, it, it just came out. Lots and lots of Legolas and elves and Smog. Who looks oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, Smog is going to be fun to see. Um, that should be a blast. Yeah. Well, I guess that pretty much wraps up our uh, recap of our game night. We'll mm-hmm. be, be doing that again. Uh, well, will we be doing that Monday? How is it going with yeah. your schedule? Okay, so we'll be doing that Monday. Um, we play... Um, I'll try and actually do this part. <laughs> we play on the Arganesson server. We play Monday nights from. Uh, wh- how do you describe it? Do you say? Do you say 10 p.m. E- no. 11 p.m. Eastern? 11 p.m. Eastern to 1 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so Arganesson server. I play a druid. Can't even remember my name. But Noah plays a bard named Hum and Strum. Plucker pick. <laughs> and if your character's you're in, like John or, or Janny or or Jonna, but I ha, once again I had to put an H in there because the A's uh, the regular name was taken as usual. Um, so it's like J H. It's J A A J H A A N A. I think. Yeah. But Humminstrom Plucker Pick is really a cool name for a bard. Um, <laughs> so yep, find us. Um, you know, let shoot us an email at, at um, mail at channelmassive dot com and. Um, let us know you want to you want to play, and we will um, get Skype set up, and we'll all be able to to participate. It's been a lot of fun so far. Sure has. Don't let the lack of outtakes convince you otherwise. We there were some really hilarious things that happened during the last session. I'm like, man, I wish I was recording this because it was really funny. It just happens every time because everybody is just really fun to talk with okay. and to play games with. Speaking of that, um, in a previous game night, we, um, which we, I think we actually named a podcast, Wrath of the Sith Weevil. We, uh, was, was it our last night in, um, in, in it Spore? was Wrath of the, was it we, Weevil Sith? Wrath yeah. Of, Wrath of Weevil Sith. Weevil Sith, yeah. So we, um, we, we ran into this Sith who was pretty good at destroying us. Well, he managed to find our Facebook page and was like, how come I've become a star of a gaming podcast? <laughs> yeah. And we were, I was like, at first I was like, what's he talking about? And um, it turns out that Sith Weevil found us on Facebook, checked out our podcast, loved it. He really especially liked your uh, last four minutes of your editing with the outtakes. <laughs> You so, could hear the other side of what was going on when we were dealing with him. Yeah, yeah, we were dealing with him. And by dealing with him, we were running and screaming like Getting killed girls. by him, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that, so that was really cool. What a small world, huh? I, I have no idea how he found that on Facebook. That's crazy. Yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, it's not like we have a really killer SEO strategy or anything like that. No, with excellent no. marketing and promotion. So I don't know, but it was really cool that, he reached out to us and exchanged some messages back and forth and said that he'd be open to playing with us again. Yeah. Yeah. So next time maybe me and Sith Weevil can scout out some, uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find some really good Sith to kill that are the appropriate level and then stand around and wait for the <laughs> rebellions come to kill them, <laughs> which is always fun. But, yeah, that's great. I was just so surprised that, you know, he had such a funny name. <laughs> Weevil is such a disgusting little thing. But yeah. then to call yourself that, you know, it was, yeah. it was cool. So that was fun. It was. It was cool. Best so thanks for reaching out to us. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. See, I knew there was a reason for posting stuff on Facebook. Yeah, if you hadn't done that, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, if nothing else, you know, we managed to find this guy. So, so that's pretty cool. That's all we're able to include in this episode, number 254. We unfortunately did have a couple other emails that we wanted to add in, but since we're totally out of whack on our schedule yeah. and both pretty exhausted, we're going to save that for next week because who knows if Weevil Sith is going to still be on our communicating with us a week from now. So we'll definitely have something for next week to look forward to. Thank you very much for writing into us. 
If you haven't been heard yet, you will be on the show. And if you haven't yet written in and want to tell us your reactions to the E3 news or your superior gaming reaction times and, and skills or those of other people you know, we'd love yeah, to hear about that. Your plus 200 IQ all because you played Quake 3 too much. Exactly. We'd, we'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so send in any of your stories that you have, stories, reactions, or comments to mail. M-A-I-L. At ChannelMassive.com. <laughs> ChannelMassive.com. Yeah. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our official Twitter is at ChannelMassive. And then both Mark and I also have our own Twitter handles. I've kind of, I, I don't know if it's going to be specific just to E3 week, but I have gone a little bit overboard on tweeting. All things gaming and, and other stuff that I find really funny in the last week. So feel free to follow either Mark or I or both of us. Maybe I will inspire Mark to tweet more. His Twitter is at C-O-Mark-M, and mine is at This Is Noah. That is correct, sir. And if you want to join the discussion with Weevil Sith, if you want to see who Weevil Sith is, go check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash channel massive. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Check it we out. Will be, we will be back next week with more news stories and, of course, more adventures in Dungeons & Dragons Online. It's, it doesn't take too much work, I don't think, to catch up with where we're at. We just hit level two and finished the big ice dragon thing quest on the starter island if you want to join us fresh. Yep, we're we're on the, we just got to the new harbor place, whatever it's called. That's right. That's where we ended. We, we yep. got to the new city, and it was huge, and there were all these player characters. Everywhere. It was really cool architecture. I actually was excited about that. I went running around, hoovering up quests. While you guys kind of just oh yeah, dock. there were so many. So I'll be excited to see where I was. I was just sitting, sitting by the dock at the on the bay. Sitting by the dock of the bay. <laughs> yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. All right, man. Well, we hope you enjoyed the episode, listeners. We look forward to hearing from you, and we will be back in a week. 